0: Stand tall, stand fast, stand firm media. Hello and welcome to Race Relations Radio. I'm Hank and I'm joined by Rick. Rick, how are you? I'm fantastic. And we are going to talk Derek Chauvin sentencing. That came down last week and, uh, you know, we were just a little bit busy doing other stuff, but we definitely wanted to talk about it. He was sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison for the murder of george floyd um there's some critical things to kind of point out throughout all of this uh rick and i even kind of did a uh projection of what might come of this sentencing prior to it we weren't that far off no i think it came out almost right between us Yep, almost (laughs) predictions as i think you said 20 and i said 25 yeah just because i thought they would Go a little bit
1: uh, uh, overboard for the crime, and that was one of the, th- the one of the concerns we had was the the belief that we wanted it to be fair, but we wanted it to be appropriate, right? I guess you would say. And you know, the idea of giving him more time, like throwing the book at him, the maximum possible sentence was forty years for that charge, but that's not for a first time offender, which you know, Derek Chauvin is usual for a first time offender is 12 and a half years, which I think a lot of people would have felt that that was not enough time, right. you know, for taking a person's life, especially when they watched it on a video. It adds an emotional element to it. Right. Well, certainly. But the judge, the judge actually read a statement and said that there's a long written statement. He wrote like 30 pages to explain why he gave the sentence he did. And he said it was not based on emotion. He was trying to follow the law, and it was not going to be based on pressure from outside groups or what somebody might want to see. And so I think that's very fair of the judge. I think that's the right thing for a judge to do is to look at the law, what the law says and allows. And uh, the explanation that he gave is there were four modifying aspects in the sentencing that were requested by the prosecutor and saying um, he needs extra time for doing this in the presence of children. He needs extra time for doing it in conjunction with other officers uh, for abusing his authority. And so basically what the judge did is gave him the normal amount of 12 and a half years and then added another two and a half years for each of those four, which is how you get to 22 and a half. And I think that's fair. Right. I think that's appropriate. I had read, I think, that this is the most time that a police officer has ever been given in prison for a crime committed while on duty. Wow. So, you know, there's little nuances there to that. But, I mean, that's a good thing because it was egregious.
0: Most certainly. I think one of the things that I was concerned about was this playing out so publicly and Mm -hmm. people... I kept hearing over and over, even from my closest friends, this is what people want to see. Mm -hmm. And that frightens me to no end because if we have a court system that is predicated on what the masses want to see, Mm -hmm. I think the sentencing has to be in alignment with what the actual crime would be. So, what's the typical sentencing for? A crime of this nature. And then, you know, you had the modifiers that you stated. Right. And it needs to follow along those lines. Cause if we lose the legal system and it just becomes, well, all these people are going to riot if, if we don't do this or something, if it becomes that,
1: yikes. Yeah. I'm worried. And, I, and I know that the way most laws are written is to try to be fair. And that's why the judge has a range of like, this is a maximum and here is a minimum and here's like what we know people usually get. And the reason that range is there is because there are unusual cases where it might swing up or down depending on circumstances. I know uh, a girl that I used to work with, her sister was in school with me and uh, knew the family and she had an abusive husband. He they got divorced, he moved out of state, and he she actually had a restraining order against him. Uh, they had four children together. He came and shot her to death. Oh, it was vicious in, in the way most people would think of this. This would sound bad. He came in with a rifle, shot her nine times, was out of bullets, went out and reloaded, and oh. came in and shot her another eight times. Yuck. Okay, so that's terrible, right? And you would say. I want this guy, you know, to get the most time he can. He, he's taken her life and stuff. Six months later, when it was in court, her parents went to the court and asked the judge for leniency against the man who killed their daughter because he was the only parent left for their grandchildren, and they didn't want their grandchildren to be separated from him all their lives because of his horrible Action. They wanted him to actually get less time, so that eventually he'd get out and see his children and grandchildren, which is an amazing thing to do for a parent. Yeah. So here's a case where, if you would look at certain details, you could just say this guy should get a lot of time. And then when you hear something like that, you go, "Well, what is the judge then going to do? <laughs> you know, give give him less time? Like, like the victim's family's actually asking for this, right? And so there's some unusual cases. Uh, There was one here in the county I live in where a a guy molested a young family member and his family went and asked the judge to give him a year of probation because they wanted him to get help and counseling and stuff. And they didn't want him behind bars for many years and separated from the rest of the family. Wow! So, like, and when the judge agreed with that, there was an outcry. People tried to recall the judge because they said, oh, this deserves, you know, 10 years or whatever. Well. Yes and no. And that's why we have a range of sentencing. And uh, in this case, my greatest concern about Derek Chauvin was the idea that he might get too light of a sentence and people would be outraged and we would see more burning of buildings and, and bad reactions. And I'm very thankful to God that the sentence was sufficient that we didn't see that response, even though there's some people that aren't happy and would like it to be longer. And if you're George Floyd's family, there's no amount of time that's enough. No, Right? He's, he's been taken from you forever. And technically, you know, if you go back and say eye for an eye, you know, that's what it should be. But that's not the crime that he was charged with or convicted of. And technically, I would say from the trial, you can't prove that it was intentional for him to kill George Floyd. Right. It, it's possible that George Floyd might have died anyway, even if Derek Chauvin had never come on the scene. If they would have tried to go higher like that, they probably would have lost. Exactly. And you don't want that because then the fallout would be much worse. Right. and, and, And so you want justice, but justice can be a tricky word because sometimes it's like, when is it enough justice? Right. Right. And so you can weigh these balances and go, wow, you know, no policeman has ever done this on duty and gotten that many years before. So bravo. And and then you can say, well, it wasn't enough time for what he did. Well, yeah, I, I can kind of understand both ways. That's why I think it's kind of fair. If, if you're in the middle where somebody might be unhappy either direction, that's a better place to be than, you know, having total outrage on one end or the other. I know we're on this topic and this is similar, you know, sort of related. The statue they put up. I'm kind of disappointed by that because in a way, a memorial to a victim of something is one thing. But in a way, when you put up a statue, it's kind of like making a hero out of someone. Right. And I I don't think it's heroic to have to be engaged with the police as many times as he was over his life for various things and end up dying that way because really you resisted arrest. And- Didn't he have a home invasion and held a gun up to a pregnant woman? Uh, That's what I've heard, yes. uh, I've heard that. But that was also in the past where he was sentenced and completed his sentence for that, and I believe in giving people second chances. Most certainly. You know, I, I think whatever crime he had done in the past is not important to what happened here. What happened here is he passed the counterfeit bill, which he might not have even known was counterfeit. Any of us could do But when the police came, he didn't comply with the police, for the most part. And his resisting them, and the fact that he was on drugs at the time, and the fact that he might have had a medical condition related to his heart, all these things combined may have led to his death. But we know for sure seeing Derek Chauvin kneel on him and hold him to the ground the way he did made him die. So... You know, whether those other things contributed and he wouldn't have died if some of those other things weren't true, I don't know. You can't You can't know. No. Nope. But I can know that if he had followed the right procedure and turned him on his side so he could have air, there's a chance he'd still be alive. There's a chance he'd be dead, too. We don't know. Do you expect
0: Chauvin to get any more uh, tacked on with these federal potential federal charges that they're
1: I I kinda hope not. I I understand, you know, his his family or the family lawyer is saying that, you know, he wants the federal government to give him a a civil rights charge. I would think if he had not been charged with something else, going after him that way is an avenue. But I think the fact that he's been tried and convicted in his own state of a crime, in a in a way that was fair and everything, doing this is only to me it's gonna make the wound Worse instead of helping it to heal. And I don't know that giving him any more time under a federal charge is going to make any difference. Why do you send a person to jail for? Is it there to punish them for what they did or are are people supposed to be reformed, right? Isn't the idea that you, you go to prison, you learn your lesson, you come out and you don't do whatever got you there the last time? You know, like I'll stop selling drugs or shooting people or whatever it was. He's a first time offender. Was unlikely to repeat additional time in jail is not going to teach him any lesson that he hasn't already learned. I think. And he's already close to my age, I believe. Yeah. I, his mother took the stand and, and talked about the possibility that his parents will never see him again outside of prison. Right. You know, that's very likely. Think about that. You know, how would you feel that your child's behind bars, even if he had done something as bad as what he did, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think there's just a lot of layers to this. But what I haven't heard, what about mm-hmm. the other officers that were there? Have you heard much? I do know the other officers are going to be tried next March. And they're going to be tried in a trial together, wow. all three. And I believe they're, I don't remember the exact charges. They're, they're charging as accessories. But there might be a difference in charges. Okay. The, the two officers that were also pinning him to the ground were both newer on the job and had less experience. And um, one of them, his lawyer has made the argument that he actually had suggested to Derek Chauvin that they get George Floyd up and he ignored his you know, comments. Okay. Uh, so it almost makes it feel like for him, you know, he thought, yeah, we're holding this guy down too long, we should be turning him on his side or whatever. But he's a brand new officer, and you've got a senior officer on the scene telling you, no, we ain't going to do that. I'm assuming on most police departments, you know, the the new guy, you know, goes by what the older experienced guy tells him to do, right? right? And the other officer was technically on the scene, but didn't really do anything with George Floyd he's an accessory in the sense that he was present when it happened and so i guess in a sense you could say he could have turned around and told them to get off of him or you know let a, let the guy up or whatever and there's body cam footage from his camera that um I watched it on YouTube. It's lengthier than the amount that they showed to the jury during the Chauvin trial. And he makes some comments on there that I understand from a police officer's point of view uh, how he could make them. But they also don't sound good to some people. Okay, and, and, and I don't know whether they'll be included in this trial or not. But, you know, he seems a little bit cold. And, uh, and Derek Chauvin definitely looked like a, a person without much emotion when he was doing what he did. And I think that hurt him, you know. Well, certainly. Yep. Especially in
0: public opinion. Yes. and And unfortunately, that's where you got to win now.
1: Yeah, uh, you that's almost true. have to win in public opinion or you are If you're going to do something that gets caught on video, nope. <laughs> you know, how you look, a lot of people are going to judge by that what they saw in that video. They don't know you. They you might be the warmest, sweetest guy every other day of the week, but if you lose it at the wrong time and act out in some mm-hmm. way and it gets recorded, that's what people think you are. Yes. Anything else on this whole uh sentencing that you want
0: to kind of cover? I know it is a dicey topic because I don't want to make it sound like I am uh, against this sentencing and stuff like that mm-hmm. because I'm all for it. But what I'm against is the people, the populace should not have a bunch of weight to be throwing around with the media and the court mm-hmm. system. That's what I'm afraid of. And I don't want that.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little afraid of that. I don't want that either. Certain things happen sometimes. And like, if it hadn't been recorded on video, there's a good and a bad about that. If it hadn't been, he probably wouldn't be in jail right now. Or if he was in jail, it probably wouldn't be for as long. It wouldn't be the high profile case. as because it was on video. But it's also touched a nerve because you know even better than I do that things like this do happen around the country to people. And a lot of people say, yeah, and if it ain't on video, nobody believes that it's happening and they're dismissive about it, right? I know that, you know, there's other people that just touched a nerve because they go, this is what we've been complaining about and nobody was listening to us until they saw this video, right? Yes. There's a, a federal case right now is just, I think it was today, in fact, that the Supreme Court declined to take up a case and sent it back down to the lower court And it involves uh, St. Louis Police Department and uh, an individual. I'm not even sure uh, his ethnicity or anything. I guess he was in a cell and he was um, misbehaving, uh, causing a ruckus, and at one point tied a piece of clothing to a bar, which one of the officers took as a possible indication that he might try to hang himself. And so they went into his cell to intervene, and he was he was uh, fighting wrestling with the police, and they cuffed him and pinned him down on the floor and he ended up dying and On the coroner's report he was on methamphetamines and he had a heart problem, and he also was being suffocated so it's a contributing factor to his death, but they weren't you know saying it's entirely because of that mm-hmm. and so The complaint that the, uh, I guess, his family filed was alleging that this is cruel and unusual punishment when the police position a person face down while they're handcuffed. And they wanted the Supreme Court to rule on that. Does it violate the Fourth Amendment, right? And uh, they decided to send it back down to the lower court and have them re-examine the details of the case. So there's not a decision yet, but they allege that uh, a number of individuals over a period of time, have died in this same exact situation in different police departments around the country. And uh, this might be a result of training that they're getting to position somebody in a way that's actually harmful to the person being positioned. Right. And your car says to protect and serve, you shouldn't be killing people in your custody that didn't do anything else wrong except struggle with you. Right. I think one thing that I- I'm in a...
0: Precarious position because I have a ton of friends who are police officers, and then I know people who are criminals. Unfortunately, and it's that it's a slippery slope because you see some bad cops rearing their heads. Yeah, there's by and large a humongous number of cops that are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then, have you ever wrestled around with somebody if they don't want to be still? Mm-hmm. you're going to have a dandy of a time making them still. You sure are. And, you know, this will probably get taken out of context, but how are you supposed to function as a police officer if you can't say, hey, this is what I need you to do, and the person just blatantly ignores you, and then how, you know, where, where does the line get drawn mm-hmm. between your circumstances or your fault and... Oh, he shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's a hard line. And, and that's the thing during the trial. I watched the body cam footage of three of the officers that they showed as part of the trial. They actually showed all four, but I didn't see the other one for some reason. And in watching it, you can see up to a point, I didn't feel the police officers had done anything wrong. But then there's a point and it's like, okay, at some time you've got him subdued enough, you should be letting him up and putting him in the car or getting him medical attention or you, you shouldn't just keep standing on the guy, right. you know? And it's a problem because I, I, I don't know how long is a person supposed to like stop moving. If you're pinned in a way that you can't breathe, your body's going to be fighting for breath. You're going to be In that way, so you, so I flinch my body to try to get more air, and the police officer was trying to hold me down and saying, "Lay still." And now I'm not still because I flinched my body, and he puts more pressure on me because he says, "I told you to lay still." It's a bad situation, you know, and it's hard to say here's the line and you crossed it or didn't cross it. It's not, it's not an easy thing to determine, you know. Do you expect to see war? bad interactions
0: after, after this? you expect that cops are going to be a little bit fired up?
1: Well, I think, unfortunately, we're, we're all human. Some, somebody's going to make a mistake here or there with somebody. And there's a, there's a multitude of other cases that have occurred since what happened with George Floyd here and there but they have different circumstances right. each each case is really individual there's no no case that's like exactly like the other one the cop that leaned over his partner and shot that woman that called them i mean there was a tragic one the other day uh, a police officer was shot and a good citizen armed shot the perpetrator and then picked up his gun and another officer shot him thinking he was the perpetrator right it was like i i wow. tell people
0: that Uh, Have CPLs Uh to be very careful. Yeah, be careful on the terminology you use. Even if you're the person that calls it in, yeah, don't ever, ever, ever say "I shot blank." Don't ever say that. Say there has been a shooting.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I will tell you to use that terminology because yeah, there's going to be a different
1: feel to the situation. So unfortunately, I'm sure that at some point in the future, there will be another case where something happens that outrages a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I do hope that this case will lead, I think in some ways it kind of already has, but I do hope that it leads to better police behavior and hopefully better behavior by the people that the police have to be called to deal with, you know, that they might learn, you know, hey, it's it's not a good thing to be not complying with the officers' instructions, right? And I remember like this is one of the things that didn't come up on the trial as much as I thought it would. There was a pre trial motion on the part of the prosecution to bring evidence into the trial about prior complaints that Derek Chauvin had had. Mm -hmm. He's never, never was charged or convicted of anything in the past, but apparently had something like 17 or 18 complaints and apparently six or seven of those involved either using force or being present when another officer used force. And so that kind of would look like a track record of someone who maybe doesn't always deal appropriately with somebody. But at the same time when that came up, I had a discussion uh, with my uncle. He was a police officer in Madison for over 30 years, and then he was a police chief out in Granby, Colorado. And he said, it's not unusual when you arrest a bad guy for that guy to file some kind of a complaint against the officer just to try to cause the officer trouble. And many of those complaints are not legitimate complaints. Uh, and, And that's why he said, you know... To judge Derek Chauvin by how many complaints were lodged against them doesn't necessarily mean he really did anything bad. Okay. Th- those could be bogus complaints. So, you know, not knowing enough details about any of them, I can't say for sure one way or the other. And and it was funny that even though they asked for that going into the trial, during the parts of the trial that I watched, I never heard of them being brought up. Okay. And I didn't see it in any news coverage of the of the trial. So apparently it was never entered in. But the defense did the same thing because the defense had footage of a prior arrest about a year earlier where George Floyd was in another person's car and got out and didn't fully comply with what the officers said. And um, they wanted to use that in the trial, but I never saw it come up. Okay.
0: Anything else you want to talk about on this topic? I think this was a strange situation that I hope we don't ever see again.
1: My problem is with Either the media or certain individuals, some of the some of the people that come out and say things after the after a verdict is delivered and uh, offer their opinions and stuff. what really bothers me is when they compare cases that are really far different. One person mentioned Trayvon Martin. Oh, Trayvon okay. Martin didn't involve police, okay? Another person mentioned Dante Wright. That involved police, but that was really apparent. I mean, I think. A tragic mistake, an accident, not an intentional kind of a shooting at all, and is terrible. You know, it's terrible that it happened, but it's not the same thing. Like this was really this is a unique case. So why can't you focus on the case at hand and how it came out instead of dragging other things that are different into it and trying to lump them all together? Uh, Because to me, that's just kind of playing a race card kind of a thing, because each situation involves a white versus a black person or whatever. And that's the last thing I'm going to bring up super
0: quick is just I'm tired of the report being whatever the person's race is, no matter what it is. And then whatever the other person's race is, no matter what it is. I'm tired of that being a motivator for the story. Instead of we're just all individuals, I can't judge a whole group of people. You can't please don't judge all black people based on my activities,
1: (laughs) you know, and then don't blame all white people on Rick's activities. And you hit on something important there, too. And it's one of those disruptive things that's very bothersome is if there's someone someone I know who will say I'm not racist, but (laughs) Every time you ever notice, like every time you see it in the news, the guy they arrested for that shooting, he was black. Uh, and then you also have the same thing that goes the other way, where where somebody goes, you know, they allege racism about about everything, and and it becomes this excuse when it when it doesn't have anything to do with it. It just it just happens to be the circumstances, you know. Right. And that was something that Derek Chauvin's mom had mentioned at the trial was her son would be branded as a racist when race was never introduced into the trial that I heard as any motive or any factor in, in what happened. It was simply policemen showed up and didn't follow his training and caused someone to die. you know. And that's a better narrative than trying to say it was because of his race. Right. I couldn't agree more.
0: It, it has just become overwhelming how things are being reported. It's egregious how bad reporting has gotten. It's yeah
1: disgusting. It is. It's it's a burden of the of the culture today, I think. (laughs) And and then you've got the social media that just adds to it because people really say crazy things on there too. And never before in history could
0: you get everything all together like this, you know, Mm -hmm. where the judge is hearing What people want. When in history, until the modern era of social media, have you ever heard where a judge is like, "Oh, I'm a little nervous because I'm hearing that people want this Uh and stuff." Like, and the media is complicit, and the people aren't. They're not looking at case by case. They're just like, "This happened. That happened. No investigation. It's it's crazy."
1: Yeah, and and for the judge to sit there and say, "Well." You know, I saw neighborhoods burning in response to what he did. Now, if I don't sentence him stiff enough, maybe it would happen again, and I don't want that to happen, so maybe I'm going to be tougher. That would be wrong because it would be unfair for that consideration that really had nothing to do with the guy in the crime if, if it happened that way. And right. it, I'm, I'm confident from the way the judge explained himself that this was a fair sentence. Yeah. All right.
0: Thank you so much, Rick, for joining me. I know these are tough topics that uh, not everybody wants to tackle, but. Yeah, it's not the most fun stuff to talk about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no.
0: sometimes we just have to have these discussions in public, I think.
1: And especially as Christians. Amen to love. that. Amen to <laughs> that.
0: Please peace them <laughs> up. All right. So for Rick, I'm Hank. This has been another episode of Race Relations Radio. We thank you for tuning in. Until the next time. We're signing off. Signing off. Stand tall. Stand fast. Stand firm media.